On the show today, I'm joined by the incredible UK comedian Andrew Silverwood. Andy and I go way back. We have a lot of fun in this chat, a lot of reminiscing. Stick around, you don't want to miss this interview. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Benjamin Mayer McKay's Talk To Me. I'm your host, Benjamin, and continuing our tradition this mini-season of uh, bringing you chats with people I know who are incredible artists, I'm joined by a man who I have produced for a long time, shared the stage with for even longer, and put up with his general shenanigans for too long to count. Andrew Silverwood is an incredible uh, UK comedian who is currently trapped in Australia, uh, primarily because I had him over here for a tour and then he couldn't leave. Um, we've spent a lot of time together sharing the stage, sharing tiny little houses in Hobart. Um, so we've got a lot of stories. He's got a lot of interesting perspectives. It's a really good interview. Here it is. Andrew Silverwood, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Now, this is a fairly unique uh, situation because you're not just a guest on this show. We are friends. I've known you for some many years, and uh, I've also produced you. Yeah. We, have, we have worked together. Um, we should have really still been yeah. working together, but uh, COVID had other plans. So uh, you have a far more intimate knowledge of me than any other guest, I think, ever on this program. So I think we should really start with your first impressions of me, however many years ago we met. Oh my god! When? How many years ago was that? That? Oh, that's a real uh, thought. Gee, how long have I known you? A couple of years? Two it, years? Three years? Two, two or three? Yeah. When I first met you, yeah, you, you showed up with Butch as a guest on um, on panel show, wasn't it? And you, you you showed up and like I can't remember honestly. Like I drank so much during those shows where we first worked worked together that I um. I got very little recollection of, of that year in general. What a time. It was a time. And I remember <laughs> I remember seeing you after we'd done the first weekend of shows. I remember seeing you in Arundel uh, Mall, which for overseas or interstate listeners is like our main stretch of mall in Adelaide. And you, you didn't, like you looked at me, but you didn't recognize me, which I think is great. And really a testament to how, how drunk you were that night. Oh yeah, no, literally. I uh, and and don't be offended. I do that to many people. Mm. I also like. I've been on. I've been on tour now, almost consistently with a few little breaks since 2012. And I just like I try so hard to be good with people and names and faces. And a lot of the time, when I stare at people and they think I don't know who they are, it's that I don't know how I know them. <laughs> like that's my frequent. Uh, that's my frequent stare is, I know you, but I don't know how I know you. That's fair. I mean, this is... Sometimes I just need a little nudge. Yeah, this this sort of COVID time has been the longest time I've been off the road in about nine years, and I'm starting to get, like, antsy. Have you have you been finding that a little bit? I've been finding it so weird. I've really gone into a state, like, I tried so hard to be practical for a couple of months. I, I planned out, like, I'd basically written next year's show eight months in advance, which is the most I've ever been ahead of anything. Um, I, I, ran, I ran a venue virtually in London for a month. I was, for the first couple of months, I was doing um, 
I had a yoga mat. I was doing press-ups and steps every day. I was in really good shape. I was eating really healthily. Um, and now uh, this yoga mat has been curled up in, in the room for like three months. And I look at it and it makes me feel angry. I uh, I think I did almost the complete opposite of what you did because um, we wrapped up Adelaide Fringe, I think March 14th here. Mm. Um, and, you know, you went back and then sort of COVID hit. Uh, and I, I was the opposite. I was eating terribly and not exercising. I don't think I really left the one room I was in for about, you know, sort of 12 weeks, which isn't super healthy. And only, you know, I say recently, it's September. Only in July did I sort of start pulling my life together. I wrote... You know, the next show, I uh, started exercising, going to the gym again, um, you know, pulling my life together. Also, I can't I can't believe you can do press-ups because you're too thin. Uh, I feel like your body couldn't you know, just, like, it'll blow away, surely. You'd be surprised. I even went to the gym when they reopened three weeks in a row. Oh, my and God. Not once since that point. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm starting to feel that. Um yeah, you go to the gym immediately when they reopen. You go really hard, and then you just don't go again because obviously that in a month of work is going to help negate the other eleven that you don't. Well, I, I went to the I went to the gym with, with Ellie, who's my partner. Uh, they had a on Thursdays you can bring a friend. So we went to the gym, and for me it was literally just a place for personal trainers to bully me. <laughs> there was one guy there who had more neck. Than, than I've got like arm uh, and that's the best way to describe him like his neck was substantially fatter than my arms because he had that much muscle and he kept just like asking me if she had like bullied me into it <laughs> and I was like hey you know what I want to be here Chug on <laughs> I did not want to be there though like, it turns out I'm, I'm not very good at sit ups pull ups press ups weight anything in an aerobic ball I, I just love the idea. Yeah, the list yeah. is on. I love the idea of you uh, trying to stand up to some sort of personal trainer because for listeners who have never seen Andrew Silverwood, he, he's not a man who I, I think would do particularly well in a confrontation setting. Um, I, I would be scared for you against I the am, army of personal trainers. I am excellent at debating. And if that man wanted to sit down for a chinwag, oh, I'd bite his ear off. But uh, in a physical fight, I do not stand much of a chance. Have you ever been in a physical fight? No, like look at me. You've never been in a physical fight. I got thrown over a table once when I was working in a bar, but uh, that was very much not um, a fight that I was in control of or, or a willing participant of. <laughs> no, I, you definitely shouldn't be a willing participant in any physical scenario. That That's not going to end well for your sort of heroin chic that you've got going on. I mean, that's right. I'm yeah, more likely to argue argue the cost of a bag than I am um, anything really typically worth fighting for. Hmm. Now, you are a, a comedian, and you've been doing comedy for a number of years now, but we should just clarify, you're not a terrorist, because um, people thought you were for a little while, didn't they? I mean, that's right, yeah. I, I made a mistake. I did a show... Um, when I was younger, I used to work for an animal rights charity. And when I was, um, when I was 18, I was um, arrested and all the charges were dropped. But, it, like, they accidentally uh, wrote a file on me which ended up, like, in, in the UK terrorism department. Um, 
So for a number of years, I had a load of trouble flying. I used to get stopped at every airport. I couldn't work out why. And it was because I was on this list. So I made the mistake. If you're wanted by the police, the best thing you can do is name a show, uh, Reform Terrorist, and then, and then tour it around the world because a series of Google hits when they type your name in terrorist, uh, do absolutely no wonders for your ability to fly freely. Didn't you uh, get pulled over at Perth Airport with uh, like a, a bag of flyers with terrorist over your face? Yeah, so they pulled me into um, Perth Airport. And it's the only time I've ever been like, actually stopped on the way into a country. Normally it's leaving the UK that I have a problem. Uh, but um, oh, actually, I, got, I had trouble leaving Sweden once. That's a whole other story. Um, but I got to Perth, and the guy said to me, what, what are you here for? Um, and he was asking those questions, and eventually he found out that I was there to perform at the Fringe Festivals. So the guy at Perth um, said to me, something uh, along the lines of, oh, my God, oh, the, Perth is, like, the Fringe in Perth is wonderful. Oh, I love the Fringe. Oh, you know it's the third largest Fringe in the world. Um, like the only place that beats it is Edinburgh, which is obviously huge. And and then he he paused and he sighed. He went, oh, he went, we're beaten by Adelaide. <laughs> and I said, don't don't worry, my friend. Adelaide beats you in exactly three things. They do three things better than Perth. They do a fringe festival. They do churches, and they do more mess per person. <laughs> and that that's another thing not to talk to a customs officer about. Yeah, look, I mean, you're not wrong, though. Our culture here in Adelaide is very much, you know, go to the French, do some meth, and go, go pray about it in the morning at church. So you've really captured our essence wholly. Oh, yeah, truly. I've been to Adelaide. I know what you people are like. I've seen your toothless smiles. <laughs> when was your first Adelaide Fringe? How many years back was that now? 2016. Uh, this coming Fringe, if I can get across the borders in 2021... It will be my sixth Adelaide, wait, yeah, sixth Adelaide Fringe consecutively. That's impressive. And I did, like, the first couple of years, I was in Tuxedo Cat, and I, I worked with them. I uh, made the shift over to Gluttony, and I've been in Gluttony since 2017 in, in one way or other. Uh, and I'm just, I'm so happy there. I love it. I absolutely love um, paying three grand a year to in a tent for six weeks like I just I don't really like fighting and I don't really like camping so uh, the Adelaide Fringe especially on on car race weekend just combines everything that I am not a fan of but also with a load of fairy lights which I do like I do like fairy lights you do like fairy lights. And look, if you make it across this year, there is no car race so you're going to have one of those stresses removed from the situation there's also going to be no other fucking international performers. I'm very lucky that I got locked down in Perth because it put me in a place where I'm the only one with an accent. Mm. Mm. Well, you and Gordon Southern, that's really about it. Yeah. Like, I mean, he lived in, he lived in Adelaide for years now. He's basically one of the locals. <laughs> um, but you did go back to Perth. I'm sure there's others. Mm. Yeah. They did. Um, you went back to Perth after Adelaide Fringe. Why Why did you decide to hole up there? Um, honestly, have you seen the UK at the moment? No more group to six. Uh, apparently, you can go to the pub this week, but only until 10 o'clock. In fact, when Corona comes out, only after 10. 
Uh, you want to go to the pub with as many people as you want. You can't have more than six people in your home because Corona counts how many people have gone into your house, not how many people are in the pub. Uh, you can also still go to live entertainment as long as it finishes up exactly before 10 o'clock. <laughs> so that's when the Corona comes out. Um, it's a no-brainer. When we, because we were on tour together, obviously, mm. and, um, and I kind of knew in that third weekend, my, uh, my girlfriend was coming over to visit and her flight um, from Perth was, um, was held up in Bali and they couldn't get it into the country because of the virus. I was like, oh, something bad going on here. Uh, the following weekend, obviously, like, sales were so down. People were scared to go out. They cancelled Melbourne Comedy. They put a, a border restriction on New Zealand so that we couldn't get over there. And I realised that um, everything was going bad. And if I went back to the UK, I wouldn't see my girlfriend for an indefinite amount of time. And actually, I'm so lucky because if I hadn't seen her since March and I wouldn't see her till next year, that is a long time to be apart from someone that you care about. Mm. So I came back here. And also my thought process at that time when when this could have all blown over in like eight, 12 weeks was, well, my flights from Melbourne that I had booked originally to go back to the UK to finish touring for the year, they'd obviously been cancelled. At least if I was in Perth, it would be cheaper to get back to the UK from. <laughs> so, uh, so that was that thought. But um, the longer this goes on, the less I really want to go back to the UK. I'm very happy here. Yeah, because you, you don't have any active cases or restrictions in Perth at the moment, do you? Oh, we live in a really beautiful, beautiful place. I'm looking out the window right now. It's 27 degrees. I could go to the beach stuffing if I wanted. No one tell me not to. <laughs> Gigs are open again. Venues are open again. People are going about their daily business. Pubs are open. Clubs are open. Um, the only problem for me is that they've put me on a tourist visa until next month. So all those gigs are open. I can't do any of them. Yeah, that's fairly like frustrating. I've been forced into a holiday. <laughs> How many years since your last holiday, though? Uh, uh, I actually took a week off last year to go with my mum and dad to Mallorca. Um, but apart from that, it was the first holiday since 2014. Quite nice to be on a fourth holiday. I've never been on a government-mandated holiday before. <laughs> Does it feel more official than any other holiday you've been on? Yeah, it feels... I feel like I have to keep proving that I'm on holiday. Like, we keep doing things like going for a walk in the park, and I'm like, oh, I better take a photo of these birds so that people know that I was definitely walking in the park today and not, like, on a building site, building, or doing other jobs that I... I don't know. I don't know why I picked building. I obviously have never been a builder. I don't know the first thing about... If it's not Lego, I'm not interested, if I'm honest. Yeah, no, I, I understand that. Um, I'm very good at building Lego. I don't think anyone could ever imagine me on a construction site. Yeah, I just don't imagine you... You and I, Ben, are very similar in the way that we don't look like we could lift bricks. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, now, I just... Uh, as depressing as this may be to sort of recount, I, I do think it's important that general audiences and public have a concept of how hard the arts was hit by covid what should your year yeah. have looked like without everything uh, coming down, either you know financially <laughs> or you know, just tour-wise? What should you have been doing between you know March and December? So I got asked a really 
similar question uh, by the Arts Council in the UK when they were distributing funding. Oh, by the way, didn't get any, but it's all right. <laughs> no biggie. Um, and they asked the question, how much income have you lost? I started counting, and this is in May, and by May I'd already lost £15,000 of projected income. Uh, and at that point I stopped counting, but I was meant to... I was meant to go from Adelaide in March over to New Zealand for a couple of days, um, and those shows were cancelled, uh, and back to Melbourne for 10 days. That was all cancelled. And then I was meant to fly back to Perth um, and have a holiday, which I guess I sort of did, <laughs> but with a lot less money in my bank. Um, from there, I was meant to go back to the UK for three months, Write the new show. Uh, I run a venue in South London for a month every year. We're meant to run that venue. That venue um, provides work not just for me, but for like seven other technical staff, 50 companies. Um, it operates on tens of thousands of pounds a year and, and generates tens of thousands of pounds for the local economy in South London. And we couldn't do that. Uh, then I was meant to go on a UK tour. Then I was meant to move to Australia. Uh, but with working rights. And that's kind of where I'm at now, but without the working rights. So what I've done is just cut out all of that big part in the mirror, uh, um, in the middle of the year where I was meant to be working. Uh, and I skipped right to the bit where I was meant to take a short holiday. Hmm. Yeah. And look, just... It's really weird to think about. It definitely is. So we were meant to be in Bali for my birthday a couple of weeks ago, and obviously that just couldn't happen. We meant to have had the strongest year of my career. That didn't happen. I'm still frustratingly, frustratingly, I'm just touching, just touching on a thousand Instagram followers. And I was, it was going up every time we did shows throughout the tour at the beginning of the year. And I was going to like smash it and be well into like a couple of grand um, in followers by this point. Hmm. But because of COVID, I just haven't uh, generated any followers. Dotted. Yeah, and I mean, with with just the New Zealand dates alone, because uh, I was producing those, we were in like proper theatre. We, we were in a genuine theatre with you know proscenium arch and raked seating, and that was selling so well. I think I was at eighty percent or ninety percent capacity for both both shows, which mm. is just heartbreaking to think that you know one more week and we could have done that. Like, could you imagine the the like? And also, the thing is as well. The thing that really upsets me is that we had both written incredible performances. It was a show that I was so proud of. And I, it was so relevant for before COVID. Mm. And it was such a good show. That I was so ready to, to take to New Zealand, to share with the people of New Zealand. I've just, I, I've been picking up momentum for the whole tour. We've got a, a load of four and a half, four star reviews. We were in a really good place with the show. People were loving it. Uh, we were smashing out the spots and then it just kind of came to a grinding halt. And like yeah. I've done gigs since I've got back and I've, I've done, I've done good gigs, but like just not having that momentum there, not having that build of three months on tour has really, really like affected me. And the new show, the new show is good, but it doesn't, it wasn't written during, like, an intense creative period. Hmm. I can understand that. 
I'm sure, I'm, like, I know, I know it's a good show. I really know it's a good show. But, like, I'm just, I'm nervous because it will be, and it won't have been able to be tested in the same way I'd normally test shows. There's no way that I'll be able to have performed, like, 10-minute spots of it at, at other sets. Uh, so when it does come to perform, hopefully at the end of next year, it's going to be raw and fresh, and I hope the audience are ready for what I would describe as an air bracket experience. <laughs> we love experiences. Um, but I, I do just want to talk about those three months that we had of touring before we all got shut down. Because we had a very intense few months right at the start of this year. Because you flew in to Tasmania, um, which was a very long flight for you, if I recall. And I think it must have been like the 10th of January. And we were doing shows almost... 7th of January, Ben. 7th of January. 7th of January. All right. I know that Mm -hmm. because that's the exact day that my current tourist visa expires next year because the Australian government don't want anyone here for for more than a year regardless of the current circumstance. All right, so 7th of January, and then we we were pretty much doing shows almost every day until March 14th. Yeah, right, from the 9th. Yeah, which is a a lot of shows. First show on the 9th. We arrived arrived on the 7th. I had a little nap, went out, got some yum-yums, went to watch a show, went and teched some shows, did a show the following day, straight on it. Then over to Perth, 10 days in Perth, uh, doing shows. And then I had a couple of weeks more doing shows in Perth. Then over to Adelaide, five weeks in Adelaide, and then uh, and then some silly little virus reared its ugly head and said, "No, stop having fun." <laughs> yeah, and we were having fun. I have to say, I think there there are two sort of experiences um, that I recall from our touring that I think are, are great and that I'm going to remember. Probably till the day I die. And I want to get your favorite experiences after as well. The first one for me was in Hobart because um, we, were, we were in a house together in Hobart and um, I and our other roommate had gone out to do the washing at like the laundromat and we saw a sign for half-priced cocktails and you were a good, I don't know, two to three Ks away uh, and you, you ran. You literally physically ran from the house to the cocktail bar, and I don't think I've ever seen you run outside of that time, and that was pure joy, pure elation. Ben, I've, I've got a very serious drinking problem. Uh, yeah, I honestly, similarly, I don't know if you remember, I made you go to a brewery just because I'd seen a sign for it, and we had to, when we got there, I was like, well, it'd be wrong not to try a beer. Uh, I do remember. I'd forgotten about I think, that. I think I, that was in the same afternoon. I was definitely <laughs> still in Hobart. And then we had, and then we had a beer. There was that expensive restaurant down by the waterfront, and then we had a beer there as well because I had to. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, I didn't... and then we bought a bottle of rum at the bottle shop. This is all in the first four days. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's right, because we had I don't know Ange how people over. People keep passing us off as professionals. I really, I don't know how people. Uh, like, I think we're very, very high functioning alcoholics, and. Um, I'll be honest with you, I really have cut down my drinking in the last couple of months because I haven't been paid in a long time. Mm. I don't know when I'm going to get paid again uh, and something I had to give. And, and I figured, as much as alcohol makes me very happy, um, and I did, I had 
We went to a beer festival for my birthday the other week because Perth is opening and I can do that and I'm very blessed. But um, in general, like the, the drinking every day, that is long gone. Yes. I do think it's funny because you went to that festival for your birthday. My birthday was ooh, a couple of weeks ago and I went to a wine festival. So I feel like we're really just ticking the boxes that audiences expect us to tick at this point. I think people would be disappointed if I hadn't been at that beer festival. It's true. I think what was terrifying is I saw people I knew at that beer festival and they all knew it was my birthday and mm. I think they'd all assume that I would just be there. <laughs> uh, that's good. Well, the, the other the other memory that I had from tour that I, I loved and will treasure forever is um, you, you took me to a water park. Uh, now, look, I think listeners... <laughs> Over over uh, the the period of this show, uh, six issues now, we'll have got a sense that I am a, a somewhat serious uh, person. Uh, as much as I enjoy fun, theme parks and water parks are not really uh, where you'd expect to find me in the wild. But uh, Andrew Silverwood decided uh, against every complaint that I made that I had to come to the water park. Um, and I, I was encouraged. Well, this is good for you. Yes. And I, I was strongly encouraged. I knew. I mm. knew once I got you there. I knew once I got you there, you bloody love it. You wouldn't go on the um, roller coaster, but that's all right. Because mm. you stood and watched and held the bag like a good dad. It's true. Uh, you got livid when the guy made you take off your Apple Watch, and then you wouldn't be able to check your emails whilst you were going on water slides. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's true. But, you know, you also tricked me onto going into the... I got you the... on the bumper boats, but that, was, that took long enough. No, it was, the, it was like the Kraken thing you tricked me into going on. You told me it wasn't. Oh, water. yeah. Yeah. You remember yeah, that? I, I tricked you to going on to the, the massive uh, raft slide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, look, I had and a great time. The thing about it is, when we got to the top, you said to me, oh, it's not that one, is it? And I literally, I don't know how you didn't get it because I was peeing myself. I looked straight in the eye and I went, no. <laughs> I might as well have just winked at you. Like, that's how clear it was it was going to be that slide mm. well look I did it and I, I did it a couple of times after that as well uh, willingly so I didn't die yeah, right because once you've done something it's fine right my mission next time you're in Perth is I'm going to get you on that um, roller coaster oh, I just have no desire to be upside down in my life that's not something I need I, you know it's so much fun once you've done it though maybe look but you, you got me on the water uh, slides might, I mean <laughs> It might, it might kick in with a heart condition and it might really put you into an early grade. But I think uh, YOLO and you should probably have a go at it. Uh, maybe. If, if they ever open up the Perth borders and, and let me back in, I'll, uh, I'll think about it. Ladies and gentlemen, if, if I ever get Ben Noe McKay on an upside-down roller coaster, I will invite anyone that listens to this down to the adventure world to, to watch it with us. Because it's going to be a spectacle. It certainly will be. But no, th- th- those were my sort of two favourite memories, non-performance-related memories of our tour. Uh, what, what, were, what were yours? Well, anything that stick out in your mind? I liked, uh, I really liked the day that we went with um, Evan Demray, Canadian comedian, and we went down to Pirate Life Brewery, mm-hmm. and we just, yet again, drinking. Uh, that was fun. I actually really enjoyed that. I liked learning about the beers, and I liked being shown around, and I liked that we got to take over a load of free beer. Um, Oh, I could go for a beer now. What's the time? Is it? Is it midday yet? Yeah, basically. Oh, yeah, it's, it's beer time. That's good. <laughs> um, what else did I like? I really, yeah, enjoyed that. That was a fun one. Um, that was a really
I just guess like the friends you made along the way. <laughs> There's so many little bits and, and tours and bobs and pieces. It was good. It was a good time. It was. But yeah. And, um... yeah and, and for me as well, like that day where we took you to the um, water park was just such a good day. And I knew, because you were flying back the next day, and I knew that if I didn't make you go, you would just, like, moped around, pretended you were doing work, passed it off as, like, a productive day, and achieved very little. Or at least you're going to achieve little. You might as well do it on a water slide. <laughs> Look, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, yeah, that was that was the day before I went back. So you're right. It was, it was a good call. I, I, respect, I, I respect that decision that you made to force me onto a water slide. I mean, also at that point, we thought we were going to be on tour for another 10 weeks. Mm. Like, it was going to be like 10 weeks before we got some proper time to do something stupid like that again. It's true. It's true. We um, had an intense run in Adelaide. Mm. We were meant to be doing, we were meant to literally be flying to New Zealand on Monday, and I think opened the show on Tuesday. Yeah, that's right. right. And then we were going to be in Melbourne, and it was going to be, like, pretty intense. It definitely, definitely was. Now, I do want to just talk about the very last late-night panel show we did this year um, in Gluttony. So for those listeners who don't have a concept of it, late-night panel show is a, a game show, sort of half-quiz show, a lot of audience interaction. There are four comedians on stage and your host, Andy Silverwood. And uh, we just, we have some fun, essentially. It's just a lot of fun. It's very late. It's rowdy. It's primarily improvised. But the very last one uh, we did was a very unique one because you changed a lot of the rules. You also had people come and cameo and glitter bomb me and all sorts of things. Um, oh, but it was so the, funny. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, I'm still getting glitter out of the sofa. You know what that was? Mm. You know what all of that was about? It was, it was, the, the virus had already basically decimated the entire festival by that point. Yeah. People in South Australia had got scared to go out. Mm. Uh, that show, I'm used to that show just selling out and it sells itself and we don't do very much work. And you're right, it is. It's just like a group of mates that get together, just mess around for an hour and people pay to watch it. And it is like like jackass on stage and it's eight out of ten cats. And it's just, just really dumb and stupid. And I figured... It was the last one, and and the show, like everything else that week, had been so dire, and all the news had been dire. And I was like, Do you know what? We're not going to be able to perform again from Monday for a while. We have to have fun with this. Mm. So I just I organised everything. I had I had people come in to pretend to be you. Um, mm-hmm. I had the two little dickheads from Melbourne come and get upon you. I'd forgotten about that until you mentioned it just then. And literally, just the look of shock in your face is like, as you got hit with this explosion of glitter. <laughs> I can't even remember what David Steck said to you, but you just looked so confused. <laughs> I, I was, and look, the other reason I was confused. Do you remember the game you made us, well, made me play with my cameo account that day? I don't. Do you, you, pr- you got the bottle of wine, and every time the cameo played, is this ring any bells yet? Oh, you had to, sh- you had to drink it, yeah. Uh, but for you the duration. Oh. <laughs> oh, 
that was so fun. And you know the funny thing is, I wasn't even in control of that game. Like I just left it to the staff, and I was like, look, let's just. Uh, we're not going to be working for a while. We had all that beer that needed using. I was like, let's just let's just have fun with this. Mm. I like we did. Yeah. We, well, we, we had, had great so time. much fun. I really enjoyed it. And it is one of the yeah, things. Yeah, like honestly, yeah. it just like and it was such a good after everything that had been going on for the the couple of weeks before that. Just have one one hour where it didn't matter mm-hmm. before everything started mattering a whole lot. It was, it was just nice. Thank God. It was, and it was a really like nice way to end that festival. And late night is as crazy and hectic as it is. It's one of the things that I look forward to consistently in the in the in the festival. You know, as yeah. I've been doing this now for few years um and it's just so much fun and i can't wait to do it again next year assuming that nothing goes well wrong i mean if i can't get if i can't get over it isn't the plan that you're gonna take my reign and mm. leave the anarchy um you have to loosen you off a little bit you have to let you get a little bit wild you have to break some of those rules that i know you love to follow oh yeah don't worry I, I, you know how much i love rules but Late night panel show, they got to go out the window because there can be no rules. Yeah, like, that's it. The whole point of it is that nothing really matters. It's not important. And that's... We'll book you some good guests. It'll be, it'll be stupid. Uh, you'll have a choice of South Australia's finest comedians. Yeah. All, all three of them. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be, yeah, just the same people every week. The exact same people. We'll have to write a, a load of new material because... No one wants to play the same show ten times in a row. No. <laughs> oh dear. Um, but no, I, I, I promise well, that, that. Yeah, it will be fun. And uh, as you said, nothing really matters anymore. So I guess we just just go to town with it, right? Look, I mean, like by that point, I might be able to come over. That would be so it nice. Would, it I... would make mm. nothing would make me happier than going and pissing around in a circus tent with you for an hour. Mm. And you know what I I, but, uh, I I think we should do, and I haven't mentioned to this yeah. I haven't mentioned this to you off air, but I, I think that you sh- if if possible you should send me your your black hat and like a pair of suspenders, and I can properly dress as you and host it as me playing you. Yeah. I think it'll be so funny. Yeah, yeah. I mean that is such a niche in joke that I think no one would notice except us. But I am very keen for that. <laughs> I'll make you. I'll make you into me. I will fix you. I don't know if that's fixing or <sighs> just repurposing me. We're, we're almost the same. Basically, yeah. What, what can I say, Ben? I I'm a fixer of people. <laughs> oh dear. Well, <sighs> fixer of people, uh, Mr. Andrew Silverwood. If listeners of this program would like to find you on the internet. Where where would they go to do that? Oh, um, yeah, that's a good question. God, I just how am I just wait? Cut this bit. Ask me that exact same question again. I'll pretend I uh, had the answer prepared <laughs> because I just totally forgot my own Instagram. Which, by the way, is just my name at Andrew Silverwood. It's amazing. Um, All right, I will. Or find me on TikTok. I'm barely I'm barely using that. Yeah, no, no, no. I've, I've decided now. I'm going to answer the question after that. How to start? Uh, 
Find me on Twitter at Andy Silverwood. Find me on Facebook at the Andrew Silverwood. Or find me on my website, andrewsilverwood.co.uk, which has links to all of the above. All my Kofi page, kofi.com slash andrewsilverwood. There's just so many ways to find me. I'm even on the YouTube. I'm down with the kids. <laughs> I think the fact that you said both YouTube and down with the kids proves how not down with the kids you are. Yes, that is true. Mm. Uh, I'm 30 now, Benjamin. I've got more grey hairs than I've got anything else. <laughs> I feel that. I, uh, I, have... I got a grey beard hair the other day and a ginger one. How does that happen? I don't... How do I get a ginger beard hair? I, I had to put a little bit of uh, dye in my beard the other day. That's how grey it's gotten. So COVID, COVID's taken a toll. I'm going to dye my pubes, Ben. <laughs> I'm going to have to dye them. You could just shave them. That, that, surely that'd be marginally easier. I'm going to shave them all. Yeah, that's right. They're Brazilian. But even then, the little, the little landing strip would be like a little silverback gorilla. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. I've just... I've just undone the belt. I've just undone the belt to make sure that I wasn't telling you a lie. It turns out I've gone down a belt buckle size. What? What is happening, right? Those people talking about COVID weight. I've somehow lost weight. What's that? I've been eating bloody loads. I don't know how you lose weight what either. Doing? Like you're too thin. Eating drink. Stop doing the exercise. I was putting on like I was putting on mass. Mm. What I was doing. I was getting mass heavy, and now that bloody stopped. With um stress of visas and 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 life and not knowing what I'm doing one day to the next. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. When I asked you I'm to get do drunk this afternoon. <laughs> do it. Well yeah, I when I asked you to do, do this 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 podcast, uh, I was like, Are you free next Wednesday? And you're like, I'm free all the time. <laughs> yeah, Ben, I could be free any day. Well, honestly, uh when when am I not free, Ben? Free bloody all like every day. Yeah. Well, hopefully next year uh, you're less free yeah. so that we can do some, some shows. That would be really, really nice. The good news is I think my succulents come back to life, so that's positive. I was trying to grow a succulent, and I was convinced that you could grow a succulent purely in coffee bean uh, grinds. Mm. So coffee bean grinds are good for growing succulents. Um, uh, I thought I killed it. I genuinely, like other people... I'm looking on Facebook and people that I've known since school are getting married and having kids and there's been a couple of, like, COVID babies. Um, mm. I, I, last week, I killed a fucking houseplant. <laughs> yeah, that really I mean, feels... I say our lives mm. not in the same place. Mm. I do love seeing the uh, the social medias and, and, and what people, you know, our age are doing with themselves and then looking at one's own life and, uh, yeah, our, our, our check yeah, marks aren't the same. I do and I don't. I do and I don't. I'm very glad that I've been travelling. I'm very glad that I've been touring. I'm very glad that I've got a career that I'm proud of. Uh, I realise that some of the people I went to school with are, are very, very heavily involved in conspiracy theories now. <laughs> um, and it, that make, that's good for me because it makes me feel more intelligent. Uh, it's bad for the world. Uh, it's definitely bad for their kids. Because, um, you know, vaccines are good. Mm. I'll stand by that. Yep, I can stand behind that as well. I I, I think that's a I think that is a, not even just a general statement. That there, Ben, is a fact. It's true. Vaccines uh, are what will save us eventually. Now, I'm not saying that you should take a COVID vaccine that hasn't been tested properly, but I am saying 
They are saying that when they do develop a vaccine, uh, none of these conspiracy theories about it being made with parts of dead babies are going to be true because that, my friends, that is fucking mental. Yes, yes, it is. It's only the true facts we're giving you here on the show today. Uh, no, no, ba- no babies involved in vaccines. That's a fact. No babies involved in vaccines. Like, babies are very rarely involved in vaccines because they've got tiny hands and they don't know how to mix the potions properly. <laughs> I do enjoy that you just said potions. It's, it's, it's not Professor Snape and Harry Potter. That, that's, not, that's not how vaccines are made, Silverwood. I don't know. I just know there's a lot of dry ice involved, or I imagine. I mean, I, I've seen Breaking Bad. <laughs> yes. I don't think they were making vaccine. Well, not not medical ones, anyway. Look, I don't know if you can tell, but I, I did not go into stand-up comedy because I was a qualified pharmacist. Really? I am bewildered by this. Yeah, like honest, I mean, I'm I'm not going to lie. I've got some experience with drugs, but it's not the sort of drugs that are going to help anybody. <laughs> no, no. Uh, look on on that note, I I think that's actually our, our time for today, Andy. So so thank you for uh, oh. talking to me and giving us the facts, the the real facts about dry ice babies and and vaccines, because <laughs> that's very important for our listeners to take away like, from this. What a note to leave on. I spent 45 minutes pissing around with you getting warmed up, and when I finally delivered the goods, it was all about babies and dry ice. (laughs) That sounds like a very, very obscure beauty pageant for children, doesn't it? It does. I mean, at this point in COVID, I'd definitely watch it anyway, but boy, does it sound weird. I honestly, uh, I find beauty pageants confusing and terrifying. Bit like your shows, confusing and terrifying. Yeah, just like the rest of my career. I'm in. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you very much. And links to all of Andrew Silverwood's uh, socials are in the show notes for this podcast, so you can get online and stalk the shit out of him because that's what he loves. We'd love it. Please be my friend. Get me up to a thousand IG followers. Love you. Bye. That was the lovely Andrew Silverwood. Uh, you can follow him and stay up to date with what he's doing on all the places that he mentioned. And you can also stay up to date with me on social media as well, which I'd really appreciate. You can go to Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, search Benjamin May McKay, and I'll be right there. So you can see everything I'm doing in this mundane COVID life. But if you are in a heavily affected COVID city, we'd love you to stay safe and do your part by following all the government rules and restrictions. Don't do anything unnecessarily stupid or put yourself in danger because that's how this thing gets worse. And we want to beat it as a society so we can go back to incredible live theatre and all the things that we enjoyed pre-COVID. Well, that's all I've got for you today. We've got some more incredible interviews coming up soon. Uh, so stay tuned, stay subscribed. I've been your host, Benjamin McKay. See you next time.